Hey, is uh, is this thing on? Hello? Okay. Well, my name is Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs, and I am the host of As I Was Saying Podcast. Consider me your best friend that's not just going to let you sit there and think problematic thoughts. So sit back, relax, make sure you're following us on Instagram, As I Was Saying Podcast. Follow me, she will speak, and let's get it popping on this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to As I Was Saying Podcast. I am your host, Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs, and thank you so much for joining us another week. If you've listened before, thank you for returning. And if you're new, I'm so happy that you decided to stop by. We actually are here with our second interview for today. It's crazy to see how far we've come in the last few weeks, right? We went from the first episode to our first interview, and now I have a second interview. Like, what is going on? But enough about me, let's get into our interview for today. So we have the pleasure of hearing from Lyrical Faith. Lyrical Faith is a spoken word artist, slam poet, community builder, educator, and just a boss when it comes to utilizing her words for change. She's originally from the Bronx and received her master's from NYU. She's a sister of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated and the founder of Poetry for Service, founder of Black Greek Poets, and a co-founder of Harlem Bomb Shelter. She's performed for poetry slams such as Brooklyn Poetry and Women of the World. In 2014, she won the slam championship, and in 2015, she was the Verbal Blend Poet of the Year, both at Syracuse University. So it is my pleasure to introduce to you for today, Lyrical Faith. So everyone, let's welcome Lyrical Faith. How are you doing today, Lyrical Faith? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well, given the circumstances. How are you? Yes, given the circumstances. So if y'all did not realize, April was actually Poetry Month. So shout out to all the poets in the building. That would be us if you did not catch on that we are both the poets in the building. Um, So I you on um, Lyrical Faith Poetry because you are not only a poet, you are a movement with yourself, with your education on the Black community, on womanhood, on Black womanhood. So I would just like to start off with your story and what really got you started with poetry? Oh, wow. First of all, thank you that you're far too kind. (laughs) Um, So what got me started with poetry? Oh my gosh. So I, I definitely always accredited to my sixth grade English teacher. Um, so when I was in middle school, um, I had this phenomenal teacher. Her name is Miss Brown. Um, she was an actress and she was an Alvin Ailey dancer. And she was just like this, this super awesome creative. Um, and basically we did this unit. We, we moved on to the, this unit and it was poetry. And granted, like, you know, you learn poetry in middle school, but it's like, you know, sonnets, Shakespeare, iambic pentameter, haikus. Right. Yep. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she, <laughs> what you're talking about. And um, and she was just like, no, actually, I'm going to teach you all slam poetry. And so, <laughs> um, and so she gave us this whole entire spoken word poetry unit, and she showed us the deaf poetry jam videos, and like she showed us like you know. Um, spoken word and the power in it and the form and like the style and like how it's interactive and like all this stuff and I just thought that that was the most exciting thing I always say that like I had I went to a talented and gifted school in uh, Harlem New York I 
had a super talented friends that I was like always around. They were like all singers and dancers and like everybody was all cool. And we would have like these talent shows and everybody would have like all these cool things that they were doing. And I was just like, hmm, can't really do any of those things. But <laughs> but when I was introduced to, to spoken word via this classroom, I fell in love with something that I didn't know at the time, but would take me a very long way. And so that was kind of like my earliest, um, you know, my earliest interaction with like what I know as spoken word poetry. And I continued to to keep writing from there and it kind of just continued to grow. Wow, well, shout out to uh, Miss Brown, you know, for planting that seed. And I love um, when I'm in a classroom, I'm, on, I'm in any setting where like education is happening. People are like, so this is the book. And then they just kind of toss it. They're like, but we're not going to do that. We're going to get onto some real stuff. And I think her doing that, like mm -hmm. you said, really prompted, you know, everything that has happened with you today. So especially because I've heard a lot of your poetry, how do you use it specifically as a tool to your activism? Like what sparked that and how do you feel poets can use their words to have political change, community change? Because I've definitely seen that you performed in front of a lot of different people. So um, if you definitely would like to talk about that, I'm sure our audience would love to know how you did that and the reasons why you do that. Absolutely. So spoken word, particularly slam poetry, because um, I do consider myself both a spoken word poet, a performance poet, and a slam poet, but I have a lot of slam influence. And so slam poetry is meant to provoke thought. It's meant to be controversial. It's meant to, you know, make like statements that challenge narratives, challenge norms. And so um, as I continue to grow with my voice, with my style, with my passions and interests and career trajectories and whatnot, I, you know, continue to have my spoken word and my poetry reflect that. And so as somebody who is a performance poet and a slam poet, I always try to find like, okay, what is the rhyme and the reason for this piece why is this important what is this saying about myself what is this saying about my environment what is this saying about society what is this saying about community and how will this transcend to others how will others relate to this and so when you kind of try to intertwine like those layers uh you know it, you have to dig down deep inside yourself and kind of come up with like um you know the right. words that kind of express this kind of complex this complexity of yourself others and you know relationship to community and an impact in three minutes or so so um <laughs> so yeah I definitely always try to aim for that that is the goal when I write I think I think honestly stemming back to when I was in college um shout out to Verbal Blend that is my poetry program that um I was a part of for all four years my um the director of the poetry program his name is Cedric T. Bolton still to this day he's my mentor he he sat me down in his office one day. I would I would go in his office all the time and we would just I would talk. I would tell him like, hey, I just wrote something. Hey, can you listen to it? Whatever, right? And so he essentially told me like, okay, but what is your, what is your narrative? Like, what is your, what who 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 are you, lyrical faith, as a person, as an artist? What is what is your narrative? 
what are you trying to say? What are you trying to invoke in others? Find that rhyme right. in yourself, um, and then that will guide your writing. Because when you know what that is, when you know your why, um, when you know your purpose, right, that is what guides you, and that's what guides your heart and your mind in all that you do and in all that you write. And so that is, um, you know, I, I committed to myself that I wanted it to be, you know, I wanted it to be like invoke, I wanted to be invoke, thought invoking and I wanted to implement educational aspects into my writing. And I want somebody to hear my pieces and leave knowing something that they did not know once they walked through the door or um, thinking differently about something that they already were familiar with. Than, than when they walk through the door. So that is kind of like what I aim to do and what I shoot to do when it comes to like my writing and my work. Um, I'm also an educator. Um, I also occupy um, like different various different communal spaces within like various community organizations. And I try to continue to spread that word and spread those narratives and, and create communities and create spaces within poetry that'll help to um, induce those ideas. I, I love that. First of all, I feel like everyone right now is getting a pro bono lesson on poetry. Being a slam poet and performance poet myself, but I, I really liked how you were able to word the aspect of being committed to yourself and being able to then find those provoking thoughts and those controversial statements. Because if you're someone who's not yet at a stage of accepting, you know, what you stand for, who you are, it would be definitely very hard to communicate that in a piece. And I know when I was younger, I felt that because I was not in a, a space as far as physically to be able to write and perform what I wanted. It was more of, well, you're going to write this and you can't talk about this. And I definitely can say I felt that. Like, you, you made me write this. Yeah. And you made me perform it. So as, as a poet, I definitely understand what you're saying because I went through I actually have a poem called satin bowls which is literally about like you can't package my words up the way that you want them that's not what they're for mm. yeah satin, right like so it's and it's literally like I, my words do not fit in the constraints of satin bows because like I, oh I, I'm sorry like when you said that I was sitting here like that is so deep and so with that because I feel like I was about to spit a poem, but this is, but this is, no, this is your time. Yeah, because, you know, and this is why I love connecting with people on deeper levels, because I think it's really important, you know, especially like you said, you hold a lot of community spaces and we're definitely going to talk about that later on. So your words are not only impactful in the art form, but also as well as when you go into meetings, when you go to speak to different youth, you know, it's all connected. So is there any piece that you would like to share with us for today? Cause I know I'm excited. I don't know about anybody else. A, a spoken word piece? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Cool. So um, this is a piece that I've actually never really performed um, in front of like a group of people in person before. <laughs> um, so I wrote it, I wrote it like last month and it was, or the month before last. And it was for um, a huge competition that I was recently a part of. And I did, I decided last minute to not, to actually just not do it, just to go with a different piece. So, <laughs> so I mean, that's the artist's mind. That's the, I, I've written stuff and was like, you know what, this isn't it. And they're like, but you just, you just spent all day. I'm like, it, the spirit speaks and I listen. Right, okay? right, right. So, um, so I changed that last moment, but I still want to, um, I still want to get like a good feel out of it. And so, um, so this piece, it's, I'm still working on some stuff with it, but it's called Hood Movies. Ooh, okay. 
Warner Brothers produced The Joker, and it becomes the first R-rated film of all time to gross over a billion in revenue. Transformers was set in Detroit. Red Dragon, filmed in Baltimore. The Silence of the Lambs was in Memphis, and Frankenstein came alive in New Orleans, the same, near the same field as 12 Years a Slave. These places all happen to be the most populous Black cities in America. The Joker was filmed in Newark, Jersey City, and the Bronx, New York. I am from the Bronx, born, raised, and it might sound like, why am I so serious? But when tourists came to take pictures by the staircase, no one was laughing. I cannot enjoy a feature film without thinking of the unpaid extras posted on the block, how multi-billion dollar productions are shot in the hood for dramatic effects setting up the horror as if we don't already know scared like the black of our hands i have seen chalk outline on sidewalks cleaned up in enough time for tour buses to pull up because street signs in the ghetto make for such great action like compton like Brooklyn, like nobody went to sightsee in the hood before it became Hollywood. Can't you see the stars in the ground? The ones that went to heaven before mama could say we made it, before the camera pan right down the tombstones to catch our good side. Tell me how many box offices will catch a tax break for the dreams that went to die on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Which scene can my family survive in when our poverty is just so profitable? When cameras stop rolling and remnants of your lens is still on the every barbed wire fence. Movie magic is not how abandoned the buildings look, but rather how they just edit out the residents. And somewhere there are visitors viewing the finished product, capturing the trauma on portrait posing in places they do not have to be a part of, thinking it'll turn out okay. Because isn't gentrification just color correction anyway? Wait a minute. Woo! See, that all should be my answer right there. Um, <laughs> first of all, that end, isn't gentrification just color correction anyway? I actually have to write this part <laughs> down. And I... I no, chalk lines cleaned up in time for tour buses. I, the whole poem, I could have written it down, but it was just when you said that line, I feel like that clear imagery of you're trying to erase our reality for your dream. And, and like you said, your dream, your profits, your movies. And it, wow, that is wow. And I remember actually seeing um, that photo and seeing, you know, that conversation happen throughout social media where y'all come into these steps, gentrifying our area, not paying our people. And I definitely want to shed light on how you utilize these key moments, you know, in our current events for your pieces. And like you said, shedding light on something that someone might have just scrolled right past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that piece I'm really excited to like you know um when outside opens up again um to see you go out and perform <laughs> that piece because you performed it with so just so much strength I really had to like sit and be quiet and be like this is you're not at the open mic shine you can't just they would have been like did they just have their own little open mic there yes we did thank you 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That means a lot, honestly. Thank you for that. And like I said, I'm really, and would love to know, um, especially because I know you do some traveling the first time. So funny joke for anyone listening. I knew about lyrical faith poetry when I was in New Jersey and she was in New York, but we met in Atlanta, like physically for the first time. <laughs> I was hosting, she was performing, and we were like, so we had to travel 800 miles to like finally, meet. we were a bridge away. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> so six degrees of separation, but you know, I'm a big believer in God's timing. So mm -hmm. I know you talked about um, how you said like you've been in different competitions and you've definitely had your share of performances. Do you feel like there are enough spaces yet or do you still feel we need to we still have to do work when it comes to black women within the arts especially when it comes into poetry and spoken word mm. yeah so I pondered this um so <laughs> interestingly enough yeah I did uh, allude briefly to the competition I was recently a part of um so the competition that I, I just came back from last month uh was called women of the world poetry slam um, it's in national, international poetry festival that takes place every year, um, typically in different places, but, um, as of recent, it's been in Dallas, Texas. And so, um, an amazing, amazing, wonderful, powerful event, right? Um, so Women of the World Poetry Slam is one of a couple of several, um, national huge poetry festivals, international poetry festivals. So there is another one that was created um years ago actually before um women of the world was created and it was called it's called iwips which is international world poetry slam and so iwips um has been around for a couple decades um and so like the iwips is actually like it's just heavily saturated with male poets um it's just it's just male it's, it's a lot of male poets um that obviously anyone can enter into iWhips, but for the most, like it, it is generally a lot of male slam poets that um, compete in iWhips every year, every single year, right? And so um, that that ratio, <laughs> that ratio is just like it's it's you know male male voices versus female voices. Only a certain amount of people can even register for the slam to begin with. It's like it's usually like ninety something, ninety six, um, somewhere between like ninety and a hundred people. And so, Women of the World Poetry Slam was created um, because of the fact that there were not as many women voices that were being um, seen in those spaces. And so they created WALPs um, to center women voices um, and to center women stories and to center women poets. And so I just thought as I was uh, journeying to prepare for WALPs and doing all of my background research on it and speaking to various people who've already been it in, who are already part of the slam scene, and then actually being there and talking to people and everything like that, um, you know, I actually, you know, I, I was just becoming like just more and more interested and like amazed at that, um, that, that like a whole entire poetry festival had to be created because the one that already existed was just so heavily saturated with male voices and male stories and male narratives. And so they wanted to create something for, to center women. Um, so I just think Wops is very like, you know, very special in that way. Um, and so I think that, like, in the arts, um, I, 
honestly, like, I even feel it, like, even, like, in my own community, in, like, the New York City slam space, even in, like, the New York City open mic space, I feel like on most days, most days, I can probably, you know, sit at an open mic and see more men get up to perform than, than women. Um, um, and that's not to say, like, there aren't women writers or women performers in, in the space, like, of course there are. Um, but I do see a heavy presence of like males, um, men, male artists um, performing and, and centering their voices and whatnot. And I feel like that reflects society and how men take up a lot of space. Right. Um, so, I mean, I mean, yeah, I do think that there should be more things that are like femme slams woman uh slam centering women voices i know in new jersey um I, I i do not know who is the actual coordinator of this i don't want to i don't want to misspeak but i from what i understand there's a another femme slam that takes place in new jersey um and it is uh, essentially just like a spin off of wilds it's like uh you know inspired by women of the world poetry slam and they're like hey this is an all femme slam so like all femme women voices all femme women poets and so i think that that's special and the fact that like we have to create spaces like that in order for the, these voices to be heard. It just speaks to what we have to do as women sometimes, but the fact that like more spaces, more women spaces like that need to be created and should be created. Right. Um, I am definitely an advocate for that because we can never center women voices um, and women artists enough. Right. And I, and I do agree with you on that. I know even in, um, a lot of times, because I, I, I'm like you in the aspect of their slam poetry, this performance poetry. Like I tell, I remember I had a conversation with someone one day. I'm like, I personally believe for myself, because everyone has their own opinion on their own art form. There's poems that I write that are made to be read. And there are poems that are meant to be like, you have to hear how I say it. You need to hear how my voice is and what I want you to listen to. So even when it comes to like, you know, more of that written poetry as well, I've definitely had conversations with writers and poets in the aspect of men could write about women's issues and it's like oh my gosh let's give them a book deal please hit the open mic and it's like but like what about me talking about my these are my current issues mm -hmm. and it's not dealt with almost the same so I even um, have seen that before where it's kind of like even if men are speaking and I don't think they do it with no intentions to women's issues it's kind of like I, I've had to tell even some of my um, male poet friends like but see how your poem is taken with so much respect and so much like uphold it but the yeah. same talking about her this is her current issue she's talking about her mental health her sexual trauma her being a black woman it's almost like oh okay that's fine right right it's like, okay, we almost expect it. Whereas like when a male right. gets up and it's like, oh my God, did you hear that poem about depression? I'm like, oh man, I just did a poem about depression. <laughs> like, did you go to the bathroom? Cause I'm pretty, she's like, I'm pretty sure that's what I just did. Like I, I'll roll the, but I, I definitely understand that. And I think that also, I want to actually tie that into the next question I have for you, because I know that you started an organization, Poetry for Service, which is, I believe a, a nonprofit, correct? Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about that? Because I know it's literally what we've been talking about this whole conversation, using poetry, you know, as that vessel to work within your community. So for anyone who is feeling what we're feeling right now, like you need that space, you need that voice, and you just want to do more with your words, I did make sure you're tuning in to this point right here. Okay. So definitely, yeah. Tell us more about Poetry for Service. So Poetry for Service is... It has been a passion project of mine for a while. I just didn't have the, I guess, like, the means to continue, or I didn't have the means to, like, create it into, like, something that I, um, you know, wanted to be for a long time, right? And then 
um, this is how good God is. Um, I, there is this program at my church. So my church, I go to a very, very large church in Harlem. It's, it's called First Corinthians Baptist Church, FCBC. Shout out to my church. Um, we own, or my church owns a, a nonprofit called the Dream Center. So uh, it is a community center, which is not um, you know, necessarily religiously affiliated, but it's like a community space. Um, but like basically because we do a lot of our advertising for the programming that the Dream Center holds, maybe like 60% of you know the participants of the, the programs there uh, are from the church and maybe like another 40% are like from the community and they're just like, oh, I've never heard of FCBC, but like I really do enjoy these programs. And so 100% of the programming at the Dream Center is free. And so one of the programs that they had was a, a business program incubator program, a business incubator program. And essentially we went through 90 days of a very intense business course where we took various classes got you know professional industry experience from various teachers just like uh business owners entrepreneurs individuals things like that we got resources tools we got funding to uh to essentially put together our business project our business idea and so when i got accepted into that program that was when I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like, this is, this is the time for me to put aside so that I can do this, this thing that I've always wanted to do. And so because of the Dream Center and because of um, our business program, it's called Live. Um, because of our business program, we, I was able to create and establish Poetry for Service Incorporated by December 2019. And essentially the purpose of it is to provide a space, provide accessibility for the arts, to use the power of spoken word as a way to connect with marginalized communities. And so doing free poetry workshops, free poetry events for youth in underserved communities for adults in underserved communities, as well as another leg of the program, another initiative is to work with the justice system. And so like incarcerated individuals, as well as formerly incarcerated individuals, because there is a lot of power in those spaces as well that people do not get to see because they are, are not accessible to the public. And so, <clears throat> and there's actually a whole nother story that I have about that, just like a quick tidbit of it. It's just like when I was an undergrad as a junior, my um one of my professors his name is Omani Abdullah he is amazing like to this day I don't think he knows how much he impacted me I've been meaning to like set up a phone call with him but um <clears throat> um basically one day after class he was just like hey if you're a poet come up to me after class and I was like okay sure uh so I went up to him <laughs> and then he was just like hey would you be interested in coming with me to Auburn Correctional Facility I went to Syracuse University in upstate New York um, so Auburn Correctional Facility is like 40 minutes away in Auburn New York so he was just like, hey, would you be interested? Uh, I take a group of students every semester to Auburn Correctional Facility and do a poetry slam with the inmates. And I was like, sure. Not knowing what to expect at all. <laughs> I was like, sure, I'm available that day. I went and like, just long story short, like that was the most transformative experience I've ever had in my life. I had never seen anything like what I saw that day. It, like we were not even allowed to have phones. So it's not like I have any like memories other than like what's etched in my actual brain. That was amazing, right? And so from that moment on, I was just like, more people need to see this, more people need to know about the type of talent that is, you know, unfortunately caught up in our prison industrial complex. And so I 
wanted to create a leg of a, an initiative of poetry for service to be specifically to work with incarcerated individuals and formerly incarcerated individuals. And so um, that uh, in tandem with the actual free poetry workshops for just adults in the community, as well as youth in the community, all of those things, you know, working together is what kind of creates kind of like the, the community impact that I want to leave um, with poetry for service. And so my free workshops actually were supposed to begin in March. At the, for adults, my free, workshop, my free workshops for youth had already started, but my free workshops for adults were supposed to begin in March at the Dream Center. But then, of course, we know what would happen in March. So, um, so, uh, so actually, the Dream Center has suspended all programming until either May or June. But Pastor Des, she's the executive director. She actually contacted me the other day and told me that she wants to like start doing things via Zoom. And so, I will actually hold my first free adult poetry for service workshop via Zoom through the Dream Center on Wednesday, April 29th. <laughs> okay, Wednesday, April 29th, yo. Yes. <laughs> that That's awesome. And I just, I actually just wanted to take a moment to say this with everything that you're saying. So, cause we're talking a lot about like community and I just actually wanted, and I know you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, stop. Everyone always does it when I talk to them, but this is just who I am as a person. You can tell for everyone who's listening, like you are not only creating community, you are community. Because with every question that I ask you, you always started off talking about how someone else inspired or gave you the platform, which I really want to point out. Thank you. But no question thus far has been like, well, when I did this, it's like, no, well, my teacher and my church and, and this, and I really just wanted to let you know, like, that is really power because that's how you know that your being is serving your community. I, I just, I just wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be kind of like in the spaces that I've been able to be in, or I wouldn't have been able to do the things I've been able to do if it wasn't for these people, if it wasn't for these individuals, right. and these institutions and these these people that have really helped um, throughout the way. So you are kind of like the sum of like everyone around you. You are the, the it definitely, you know, it takes a village, you know, and, and I would definitely say that like my village has, has sewn into me in such a way um, throughout my, like my, my poetry trajectory to, to help me, to help me help others. Wow. That's, and that, like I said, that's awesome. And I'm so happy that you are someone who understands the meaning of community and who is giving that back. Um, so I definitely wanted to point that out to everyone listening that, you know, when you put out good, good comes back to you. And part of that is like you said, allowing yourself to number one, take in those opportunities, take in those good people. And also, you know, I love the saying that everyone is saying now because it is true, you know, give them flowers while they can still smell them. And as very interesting and traumatic as the times that we are in right now, I think it also shows people that life is very precious. And some people, like you said prior, like they might have had the biggest impact on you and they may never know it. To them, it might have just been like, hey, like you had a voice and I just wanted to give you this space. But for you, it's like, hey, if you would have never done this, I was about to be lost. So I definitely thank you for giving um, folks the, the flowers while they can still smell them. And the last question I have for you, because I love, I love the name Lyrical Faith Poetry. And I remember hearing you in Atlanta and you <laughs> took a pause and you talked about your faith and your story and how God has worked through you. And so I really wanted to leave it on that note. Like how has faith in your personal journey in spirituality and everything guided you to this point today? Oh my gosh. <laughs> First of all, like I definitely give 
like all the glory to God. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound cliche, but definitely like my faith, my faith has been a huge part in kind of just like everything that I do. So actually, let me, let me explain it this way. In my writing, in my work, right? For a long time, I was writing, I was always like, yes, I, I'm talking about like how I, you know, write about the community and societal issues and society and things like that. But I want to say that like my writing took a huge jump and a huge pivot when I stopped being so focused on like just writing about everything around me and everything happening and everything like you know you kind of like you kind of like get yourself boxed into like just being like this only like political poet and not necessarily like censoring like you know the transformation within self and so um and that's you know that it's it's not it's it's good to you know be dynamic in in your writing is what i've learned and so in my my faith god there's, there's a there's a verse in the bible that says the truth shall set you free. And so that has been something that was on my mind for a very long time because I was thinking like, well, what am I hiding from? What am I scared of? What am I worried about when I start to begin to tell more truths and more hard truths and just more genuine truths? And, and, and so at some point in time, it was actually sort of like around the beginning of like 2018, I was, or maybe towards the end of 2018. But um, around that time, um, I was kind of just like, I need to, I need to stop trying to write about everything else and to stop with like putting like this mask on my writing of like you know like what I want to say about everything else and not myself and then just let God guide me and let the truth set me free in my writing and so there's a an expression in in slam is that when you're on the stage and you are you know um spitting your piece like sometimes people yell at you like get free and so I really experienced what it meant to get free when I started to be be free in my writing and and had God just just let, let me be my most genuine self with my pen. Um, and so that was when my writing started to take a turn for the better and I started to to center myself and to center heart harder truths and just more genuine truths and and that is how I created a shift in in sort of making you know, making more genuine connections with, with those around me, with the communities that I impact, with the individuals that I touch. And so I just think that that's really important to always just tell the truth in your writing. The truth is always at the tip of your tongue. It's just the fabrications that take the time. And when you take away the fabrications and strip everything else out, it's, it's really just the truth. It's just you and the page. And so I try to write as intimately and as truth, truthfully as possible. I challenge myself every single day, every single day. To, to do that even more and more. And so my newer stuff is definitely a lot more genuine than um, a lot of my older stuff. And I think it's because my faith and because being more truthful and genuine in the eyes of God and continuing to strengthen my, my faith journey and continuing to strengthen my, my relationship with God has helped me to feel more truthful as an individual and as a person. And so therefore that is reflected in my writing. I love that, that freeing yourself allows you to take off the mask. And like you said, being able to just hone in on who you are and align with that will just, it'll pour out of you. And I'm so happy that we were able to, like you were able to speak on that piece because I do believe, and I definitely went through that stage as well, that some people believe you can't, you know, 
be here and, you know, love God and do all those things and still write these authentic truths when really, you know, I, we are, we are a vessel. Mm -hmm. We are gifts were given to us for a purpose and you are freeing yourself to allow your gift to truly pour out, you know, cause like I said, and um, before we go, you're going to give us all of, you know, your socials where we can find you because if y'all go on to lyrical faith, poetry stuff, like I, when I, when I mean, what I say is she's been able to perform in, in some, you know, really prominent spaces and to make a lot of change. So your faith has definitely been aligned with your calling and your purpose. So Thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me and to be as, as I was saying, podcast, because part of our mission is to have these candid, uncut conversations to talk about the real. So even if it's like, let's talk about poetry, let's really get in depth in poetry, which is what we did today. So where can we find you? Where can we like your stuff? Where are you at? Well, you at home now because, you know, everything that's happening, but when you out, <laughs> where will we be able to find you? <laughs> For sure. So um, my social, uh, definitely you can keep up with me at Lyrical Faith Poetry. So it's just L-Y-R-I-C-A-L-F-A-I-T-H Poetry. Same thing for Facebook, Lyrical Faith Poetry. YouTube, Lyrical Faith. And then when I am out, well, while I am in, I do have a poetry workshop coming up through the Dream Center Harlem and advertise more information about that on my page. I'm also the co-founder of a poetry organization called the Harlem Bomb Shelter. The Harlem Bomb Shelter was a, it's an organization that was founded to kind of start a new Harlem Renaissance, bring, you know, a, a spoken word, open mic and showcase to um, Uptown, to Harlem. And so I'm a co-founder of that. And so I, we do typically when outside is open, we have monthly open mic and showcases on every fourth Thursday of the month. But now that outside is closed, we have Instagram live shows <laughs> every Thursday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on our page. So if you find my page, you'll find their page because the, the Harlem Bomb Shelter is in my bio. So yeah, we're just at the Harlem Bomb Shelter and you'll see me on there hosting um, Thursdays from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, I am a member of a, a historically Black Greek organization, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So I, so because I love my organization and I love poetry, I started a group called Black Greek Poets. So you'll also see that in my bio. So essentially, like if you want to follow and support, I host open mics with them on Zoom every two weeks so you're everywhere and from what i get is lyrical faith poetry will take you far just type in the name somewhere and you're gonna get everything i mean i'm already following but i will be sure that everyone <laughs> has these uh has these pages that way you know they can get the most out of everything that you're you're saying here today so once again thank you so much for joining us and I wish you nothing but love and health, especially health during this time, but really to continue on being a vessel um, as far as change and community with your words, because your words are truly needed. And like I said, even though I I took me months to meet you in person, 800 miles away, hearing you speak um, was amazing. I, I just want to wish you like just love success health and all of that as well I think that it's amazing what you're doing giving a platform for artists giving a platform for your voice and censoring your voice as a woman creative and a woman artist and an amazing poet yourself <laughs> so thank you so much for inviting me and having me within your space I appreciate this 
So I'm not sure about anybody else, but that interview was amazing. So just to recap, Lyrical Faith Poetry on Instagram, at Lyrical Faith Poetry, YouTube, Facebook, all of that good stuff. I'm not sure what my favorite part of the interview was, but that poem was amazing. Like, I genuinely cannot wait to see her perform that um, outside with an audience and being able to have that audience feedback. I love hearing that when it comes to speaking your truth, you have to be able to spark that conversation, be thought-provoking, in a sense, be controversial, cause conversation. But I think one of my favorite parts um, of this conversation was just her full transparency and connecting with yourself, finding your voice. And then when you find your voice, you will be able to then find your purpose and what you need to say and what you need to communicate to this world. So thank you again to Lyrical Faith for taking time out of her day to speak with us. And I hope whoever is listening to this, that if you are a poet, spoken word artist, whomever you may be, you know, these words might help you in your craft and your writing. But also if you're not a poet, spoken word artist, you know, any of that, her words still are true. You have to hone in on who you are as a person to be able to provide that community change and to be able to really understand where you're supposed to be in this world. So thank you again for listening. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. As I was saying, podcast, please subscribe. That way you don't miss anything and keep listening, keep sharing with a friend. And if you're interested on being interviewed, if you feel you have a certain message you want to get out, you have a talent, a craft that people need to know about, or you have something that's like, hey, This is a very thought-provoking conversation. You know I love those. Please feel free to go over to my my website, www.shuvalspeak.com. You'll see the podcast on one of the tabs in there. It also says, you know, apply to be a guest. Just fill out the form and send it back to me. Thank you again, and I'm looking forward to having you all listen next week. Enjoy the rest of your week. Can't wait.